This reminds me of my first experience in radio was back in the early 80s. People with disability and mental health. There's always controversy with us. The mysteries of the mind and consciousness. And we might get to the bottom of something or we might start something new. We're going to run the gamut and we're going to have a good time. Waking Braves. No, not Waking Braves. We're Breaking Waves. Breaking Waves? Breaking Waves. Breaking Waves. Howdy folks, you are listening to Breaking Waves. I'm Riley. And I'm John. And today we bring you a show that is all about ghosts. Sprites, spectres, will-of-the-wisps, demons, ghouls, and hobgoblins. Phantoms. Yes, all this and more. The This time of the year... Um, Going into winter, you know, we've had um, autumn is just past, and if you look outside, it has there's still a very um, autumnal look to things. And of course, in this uh, hemisphere, we get this uh, at a different time to when they get it in the northern hemisphere. Yeah, it's kind of like summer up there, and everything's bright. And down here, the the sun goes low in the sky. And the moon actually replaces it. The moon's very high. It's like uh, at its apex, it's almost straight above us at the moment. But the sun is way down there. It kind of arcs across the northern sky. And it's a different kind of light. Yes. And this time of year has been making me think of these these spectres, these spirits, as I walk around the cold, grey scenes. Okay, so um, let's get into some definitions. Let's see now. From etymology.com, ghosts, old English, ghast, breath, good or bad spirit, angel, demon, person, man, human being. Uh, in biblical use, soul, spirit, life. Uh, seems to have Germanic uh, origins. Uh, ghost in the machine was a British philosopher Gilbert Ryle's term. That was from 1949 for the mind view as separate from the body. So that's the idea that I guess uh, we all have a ghost inside us. So <laughs> we're walking around amongst many ghosts. One could make the case that ghosts are some of like the old, ghost stories are some of the oldest kinds of stories around and certainly ghosts feature prominently in a lot of our most famous pieces of fiction uh Charles Dickens a Christmas Carol uh Christmas Carol for example is a ghost story uh and in Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream, the character of Puck is a hobgoblin. Now, the hobgoblin is defined on Wikipedia as a household spirit. You know, not not necessarily evil in the way that you would get with a ghoul, because a ghoul is more of like a demonic kind of being. Yeah, I think a, a poltergeist has actually got the ability to interact with the physical world and move things around. That's right, yes. They're known to have this like childish playfulness, 
maybe like in that movie Poltergeist, you know how they like put the stack the chairs up on the table and that kind of thing. Um, one of my personal favorites is the idea of the Will o' the Wisp. So supposedly, it's this ghost light that was rumored to lure travelers to their death in like the bog. Um, you know the like the marshlands in uh, in England, and the the sort of skeptic or the how you call it um, the rationalization to explain it is is suggested that these mysterious lights were in fact caused by the decomposition of these like uh, swamps. And stuff, yeah, yeah. That's that's how they'd explain it. But it was meant to like resemble like a like a lantern light. There's a lot of uh, mention of ghosts uh, and spirits in our um, mythology, um, storytelling, fairy tales, and also um, in poetry. Yes, in fact, I have a poem. At the ready, John. It's called The Ghost's High Noon. Okay. When the night wind howls in the chimney cowls And the bat in the moonlight flies When inky clouds like funeral shrouds Sail over the midnight skies When footpads quail at the night bird's wail And the black dog bays the moon then is the spectre's holiday. Then is the ghost's high noon. As the sob of the breeze sweeps over the trees, And the mists lie low on the fen, From grey tombstones are gathered the bones That once were women and men. And away they go with a mop and a mow To the revel that ends too soon, For cock-crow limits our holiday, The dead of the night's high noon. And then each ghost with his lady toast to their churchyard beds take flight, with a kiss perhaps on her lantern chaps, and a grisly grim good night, till the welcome knell of the midnight bell rings forth its jolliest tune and ushers our next holiday, the dead of the night's high noon. Nice. Who is that? That was William Schwenneck Gilbert. <laughs> Schwenneck? Where's he from? I'll, I'll have to look him up. <laughs> so this William Schwenneck Gilbert, he was an English uh, dramatist and he produced 14 comic operas, the most famous of which you might recognise the name, John, the Pirates of Penzance. <laughs> yeah. Um, was I in that play as a kid? Maybe. There you go. So that's him. What did you think of the poem, John? I liked it. It kind of makes it fun. It's described as like a revelry, like these ghosts are having a good time, you know. And why not? Why do they all have to be miserable and sad? Yeah. <laughs> Surely. So, Riley, do you have any experience or memories of uh, these kinds of metaphysical beings in your day-to-day -day life? Yes. Mm hmm But 
I wouldn't necessarily call it a ghost, but supernatural. But I think so much of this comes down to a matter of interpretation as well. Because there's always the more materialistic worldview that, you know, is dominant in our culture that can be used to uh, explain away all kinds of phenomenon. And it, it comes down to the individual choice of whether or not they want to be beholden to that. Well, I think it's pretty natural to try and explain uh, the experiences we have and the things that happen to us. And it's more difficult with uh, these kinds of experiences uh, to explain them all away as, you know, ball lightning or uh, swamp gas. When I woke up in hospital when I lost my sight about 20 years ago, I went from a world I visually understood to a world that was full of... <laughs> um, Phantoms. Uh, yeah, for want of a better word. Um, the way uh, my brain injury affected me is that uh, my vision doesn't work normally in terms of being able to see things and match them with the concept or word I can remember uh, waking up um, and one of the aspects about my vision now is I'm very, um, uh, I need a lot of light to see. Um, So in low light uh, situations, I can't see very much, Um, but I see colours very well. And I can remember um, going for a walk outside um, the ward I was in. And it was like a moonlit night, even though it was daytime. But I remember seeing uh, little yellow rabbits all over the place. I was in a garden that was outside the hospital. And um, it must have been autumn because there were lots of orange, yellowy leaves everywhere. And I could see rabbits all over the place. And this happened to me uh, for quite a while after the injury. I would see rabbits. I don't know why. Um, I saw rabbits, and it's it's a little bit hard to describe, but it it's basically that my mind comes to incorrect conclusions about the things I've seen, and it happens all the time uh, with all kinds of objects. There's there's a large amount of uncertainty to my visual process, and I have to actually concentrate um, on what I'm looking at to work out where I am and what's in front of me. It doesn't come automatically like it used to. I don't automatically see things uh, without having to concentrate on them. So when I get tired, um, (laughs) my vision becomes very poor uh, because I just can't concentrate. But the um, people look very strange to me (laughs) Uh, in scary kinds of ways, actually. I, I don't actually see the... I don't see the persons, I don't see the people, uh, I don't have the, seem to have the ability to interpret faces and objects like I used to. Um, I can see the bits and pieces that objects are made from, the, the detail, like if I look at a face I can see and I get enough light and I can get into the, the part of my visual field where I can actually see because I only see at the left side of both my eyes. 
when I look at a face, I can see the, you know, the individual bits that it's made up from. But the gestalt, an idea that we mentioned last week, the the sum total of the face that we recognise and associate with the person, that connection is not really there for me. I just see all the bits. So people look kind of strange. I can remember I thought I was... Uh, I walked into the Night of the Living Dead or something the first time I, I walked through a crowd of people and, and was looking around because everybody looked so strange and it's kind of ghoul-like. One could say you awoke to find yourself in a world of ghosts. <laughs> yeah, I fell down a rabbit hole. Alice in Wonderland. Certainly, I'm, and I'm still down there in the burrows. But... As indicated by that poem, it might not be such a bad world. Well, I'm kind of used to it now. In in uh, in some ways, I don't really find it distressing now, but it's still everything looks still pretty strange to me. Um, you know, and that's but that's really the nature of um, experience and existence is that we all have our own um, unique perspective. And we all see, hear, taste, feel things from our perspective. Um, and it's different for all of us. It's kind of like a shared illusion, you know, that we're all uh, existing in the same world. This is why the idea of the multiverse seems uh, very feasible to me, because we all actually live in our own little universe. We are confined to our perspective and our senses and there's a lot more of the world <laughs> that we can't sense, see, hear, taste. It's not knowable to us. It's the vast ocean of the unknown and unknowable because of our limitations. And we've talked about that in our past episodes on knowledge and knowing. To quote the... Comedian and podcaster Sam Tripoli. The world is a haunted house and each person comprises an individual room in the haunted house. And some rooms are more haunted than others. Nice. So now we've got a song from Old Blue Eyes. That's right, John. We'll have Frank Sinatra with A Ghost of a Chance. with you 
if you'd surrender just for a tender kiss or two. You might discover that I'm the lover meant for you, and I'd be true. But what's the good of scheming? I know I must be dreaming. Cause I don't stand a ghost of a chance with you. Frank Sinatra with A Ghost of a Chance. The studio recording of that, a bit more uh, laid back, a bit more stripped down. Now, John, there was an expression that you brought to mind, which is a very common expression. And as with so many of these, it's not one that we think about too often, but the idea of giving up the ghost. This is something that, that I say and certainly something I hear said a lot. But the implication of it is interesting. It kind of implies that we all have a ghost within us and that at a certain point such a thing will be released from this uh, corporeal form, from this uh, earthly shell. Yeah, I guess this is about the separation of the mind and the physical world. This goes back to Descartes um, when um, philosophers natural philosophers uh, started to change the way they thought about our human experience and started to define it as two separate um, parts, the, the physical existence um, and the mind, which was very much a part of um, religion and religious spirituality. Uh it makes me think of a quote that I've said on this show before, but I'll say it again from C.S. Lewis. You don't have a soul. You are a soul. And a way that I could rephrase that to be more tied into the theme of this show is you are a ghost. <laughs> we're all ghosts. Um, now, John, when you were a kid, did you believe in ghosts? Did you have any ghostly experiences, any haunted places in the town where you grew up? Uh, I guess like most kids, I, I liked scary stories. And um, 
definitely I was uh, scared of the dark. I remember that. I don't really remember having any uh, seeing any ghosts uh, visually, but certainly um, the idea that we talked about last week about these entities um, creating some kind of atmosphere or vibe in a place, whether it's a building or a street or even a town, um, that you can sense when you walk into one of these places, you can feel something. Um, and sometimes it's unsettling, and sometimes it's just weird. Uh, certainly the dark was uh, is scary for for kids, and I was th- I think I was scared of the dark up until my 20s. Um, I can remember, you know that feeling you get when you just, I guess it's the fear of the unknown, You, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, you know, you feel yeah. that shot of adrenaline, you, your mouth goes a bit dry, your, your heart rate speeds up and you want to run or kind of like prepare yourself for battle. Um, I got that feeling a lot when I was a kid because I used to... Um go to the visit the boys next door and I'd watch horror movies with them at night and then I'd walk back to my house and being next door it was just a um a few steps you know back to my place but I'd have to I'd go through this dark side passageway you know to avoid waking up the respective parents and every time I'd do that I'd have the be thinking about the creepy you know horror scenes and everything yeah and you want to run and you kind of make yourself not run (laughs) yeah that's exactly right not like fear take over i'll take the time to mention um some of the best um ghost movies now it's definitely not as popular a genre these days as you know the vampires and your zombies and all that probably because it's a more subtle kind of thing and it's not necessarily a horror thing. Like a lot of the times in ghost stories, the ghosts will be serving some kind of uh, benevolent purpose. But I would say um, my favorite ghost movie of all time is a movie from 1944 called The Uninvited. Uh, it's directed by Lou Allen and it stars Ray Milland and... Ruth Husey and essentially it well it's set in this like uh Cornish house Cornwall is like this coastal area in the UK uh, very atmospheric and um it's definitely a spooky movie but the thing that I like about it is that um for uh for the main character she has to kind of go through this... uh, It's ultimately an empowering story because she has to have this ghostly adventure to actually learn more about herself and mature and come into her own, to self-actualize, as they would say. Now, this movie actually has its own original musical composition called... Stella by Starlight, music by Victor Young, and this song became something of a jazz standard. It was performed by 
a lot of the, you know, big heavyweights of the time, Frank Sinatra, Ella Fitzgerald, Miles Davis, Charlie Parker. But the one we're going to play is the original from the film, The Uninvited, Stella by Starlight. I guess this was back in the days when, you know, a hundred years ago, spiritualism and consulting with mediums and necromancing, which is communicating with the dead, was actually a very popular uh, pastime. There was a huge interest in it. Um, not so much these days. It's, it's kind of um, ridiculed <laughs> as an activity, but it was very popular in the past and people used to have seances and use all kinds of uh, devices to communicate with the dead. Yes, and the first writer who wrote ghost stories in a classic kind of style was this guy, rather, that I got exposed to as a kid was this guy called um, 
Algernon Blackwood and he wrote stuff in like the early part of the um, 20th century. And the reason I love his writing is because he makes these things seem uh, really real. So I would definitely like recommend checking his stuff out. Well, we're nearing the end of the show, folks, but I'd like to leave people with this. Even though we live in a culture which uniformly denies the supernatural aspects of life, that doesn't mean that a person's necessarily crazy if they have some kind of encounter with a ghost. We can be haunted in all kinds of ways by the past, by people we've known, We can even be haunted by our dreams for the future. And we can be haunted by the world around us. So, try not to be afraid and try not to be close-minded when uh, dealing with this phenomenon, that's what I would say. So that's it for the show today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. You can catch Breaking Waves every... Monday night at 6 o'clock. Yeah, have a good week, folks. Hope to find us again in fine form next week. Adios, amigos. You're listening to People Powered Radio, proudly supported by the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The Community Broadcasting Foundation resources community-owned and operated media stations just like this one that connect people and tell vital local stories so that we all enjoy a more vibrant, inclusive Australian culture and healthy democracy. Find out more about our work at cbf.com.au.